Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. Scott Fane Knowles, and you are listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I talked to Dustin Livingood, who um, has been hitting the podiums in age group and elite this year. I recently saw a picture of him and his son sharing the age group podium at the Pennsylvania race this past weekend, so I thought it'd be a good idea to interview him. Here goes the interview, guys. Hope you enjoy it. It's very good. Dustin living good. What is going on, brother? Not much, man. Just getting home from a chilly soccer game. Uh, what, so where are you primarily located at these days? I am in Somerset, Pennsylvania, which is just about an hour south of Pittsburgh, up in the mountains. I hear you. So the high here today was probably in the 80s in South Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> so is it already getting cold up there? We're probably gonna have snow showers over the weekend. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, we're we barely cracked forty today. So, so Dustin, tell I mean, so you already told us you're from Pennsylvania. So, what do you do for a living, and how old are you? And well, um, forty years old, uh, or forty years young, one or the other. There you go. And I am a self-employed house painter, and also own a paint store. That's hard work. Yeah, it uh, it definitely can be, especially in this area, because you got to battle the elements year round. Oh wow! So you just do outdoor painting, or you just do all of it? No, we do all all of it. It's just that the exterior season is so small around here because of the weather. Right, um, <clears throat> it changes on a dime, and unfortunately, there's nothing normal. So one season we might get six months of exterior painting, next season we might get four. Ooh. So. Do you have like a backlog of like people waiting for the weather to get right so you can start a job? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, especially this year, it's been so wet. Uh, we've had so much rain. Uh, I think in September, I think out of the was it uh, thirty days in September, I think it rained twenty eight of them. Wow. So yeah, it's tough tough year to be a painter. Yeah, you know, we, uh, I work maintenance for a local hospital and we got a bunch of outside buildings and clinics and I bet we have contract painters working all the time, all the time. Yeah. Cause walls are yeah. always getting messed up or they're always going to renovate an area. There's always something going on. So yeah. I, I do not envy their work. <laughs> they stay Yeah, super it's one of those busy. things. It's, it's not a physically demanding job. It's not like a mason that you got to carry block and mix mud. Oh yeah. But it's very mentally monotonous, and you really have to enjoy it to be able to do it. I would totally agree with you there. I, th- I mean, if it wasn't my ex-wife painted all the walls in my house, but shoot, if it was up to me, they'd all still be white. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a funny farm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Dustin, tell us a little bit about you know how you started like your OCR journey and how you got into it, man. Oh man, that's a that's a long story. Hey, so, we got. Well, I I try to keep them under an hour, so you know. 
Okay, well, I'll, I'll start timing the clock. I don't know. We might run out. But, uh, actually, uh, I was never a runner in my life. Um, You're running school, pretty played, blistering fast now. Well, it's it's amazing what you can do when you set your mind to something. Put it that way. Because um, I was a soccer player growing up, and I ran track, but I was a sprinter. I was a 100-meter guy. You're right. Uh, so rarely did I run further than 100 meters, and in soccer, I dodged out of running as much as I could. Uh, <clears throat> I hated to run a mile. So did that, uh, got out of high school, actually started painting when I was about 15, and started with a company out of high school. <clears throat> Worked for them for five years and actually ended up buying the business when I was 23. That's awesome. So I was pretty young whenever I got into business. And I live in a really small town, so it's tough to make it in a small town, especially when you're a young guy in yeah. business, um, because I can do a thousand great things and two people hear about it, but you mess one thing up. Everybody, yes, right. Small towns, <laughs> so, man, that, it spreads fast. Yeah, and it's tough. It's just and it's with the area, with the weather and the business, it's a seasonal type thing. It's just it's tough to make a living and to stay in business. So from the age of 23 to like 30, I just totally focused on work, totally lost myself, um, and ended up, by the time I turned 30 years old, I was about 192 pounds. Wow. And I'm a little guy. Yeah. I'm only 5'5", five five, so I don't carry 192 pounds very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was definitely uh, something that you can't hide. Mm. Um, but generally what happened was is i was oh my goodness 26 i think when we had uh, my son and i was like 28 when we had my daughter and i wasn't around for family or nothing i was just solely focused on work right and totally lost myself lost my family didn't lose my family but i just wasn't there i wasn't a father or a husband right. i was just a provider pretty much um 30 years old actually my turning point was um Right before I turned 30, it was Christmas Day, and my kids were opening Christmas presents. And I was sitting there, and I was totally, I was a thousand miles away worrying about how I'm going to pay bills because winter is really tough for us right. in painting. And uh, all of a sudden, I snapped back out and thought, you know, you ass, you have two great kids, a great wife, and here you are worrying about bills, and you're not enjoying your family. And it goes so fast. Um, so by the time I turned 30, which was like two weeks later, <laughs> had like a midlife crisis. I'm like, you know, I can't do this. I can't. I'm disgusted with myself um, in e every way, physically, mentally. Uh, I just couldn't take it. So I actually got into powerlifting. Right. Of all, of all things. <laughs> um, and being my size, I'm actually kind of built for benching because it's being small, cut some weight, yep. um, kind of top heavy. Uh, it, it helps. Short arms. <laughs> you don't have to bring the weight too far. <laughs> down right. You don't have to go as far with the weight. <laughs> Not at all. So, uh, but I did that for a couple of years. Um, and actually, for some reason, in my area, they breed strong kids around here. Uh, we had some monsters um, in different weight classes. Um, I was lifting in the 165 class, it's 165 or 168, and there was a kid in there that was, he was like a 
a national level bencher from Dang. this area. At 165, I think he was putting up like 370. Wow, um, that's a lot of weight. Dude was strong, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to survive in this class. <laughs> so I decided to cut some more weight. So I went from 192 down in, into the low 60s and then decided I needed to drop down to the 148 class. So I dropped down to that, uh, did pretty well. Um, actually ended up, I think my, my best bench was like a 290 at 145 pounds. Jeez, and, that's pretty good. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, doing that stuff hurts. Oh, yeah, um, I'm sure it does. Oh, God, when, when when you're benching heavy, I mean, everything, your neck, your your back, everything's just so tight. Shoulders. Um, yeah, and you walk around, your shoulders are up around your ears, and you can't put them down because everything's wrenched up. And mm-hmm. um, I think I remember my last bench meet, the one that I placed first in, was my only first place uh, finish. Uh, I think I did like 275, 280 in the meet, but coming up to that meet a week before um the meet came i actually pulled a rib out uh i was Ooh. at home benching going heavy and i went so heavy that the muscle pulled a rib out of place and i thought i broke something i went to the doctor and they looked at it and they're like no you got a rib sticking out so they had to actually push it back in which hurts i bet that was exciting yeah, it really livened you up. You definitely know what's going on. Uh, so after all that, I decided that you know this isn't this isn't good. I'm getting older, and it's just it, it hurts. So I just kind of started doing P90X and stuff. Right. Uh, did that for about a year or two, and then I was like, I was 35, and my son had a buddy over, and um, his dad came to to get him, and his dad was in running clothes. And I was talking with him, saying, "Hey, what are you doing and stuff?" And, he said that uh, locally we have a race up at a, at, a, at a ski place called Mud on the Mountain, and he was training for it, and he was telling me about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool, because I'm just working out and nothing to do. I never ran yet. Yeah. And I said, well, next next time you do it, tell me. I'll run it with you. So it was a couple months later, and they were doing a uh, second one, which was, I think, in like May of, I think it was 14, and... Um, ran and did that and I, I loved it I mean it was a ton of fun so plus when you work out it's kind of boring and hard to work out when you don't have something to strive for right um, exactly so training for that was pretty cool and then I uh, did two of them and after the second one they do sort of like what Spartan does and they have uh, beer and stuff there but up at the lodge they have a, a bar and they have a after party and we were there at the after party having a beer, and there was this dude sitting there. We were talking with him. We were like, oh, yeah, man, we just 7.7 miles, and we just conquered this mountain. And he goes, oh, man, he goes, this is just a warm-up. I said, what do you mean a warm-up? I'm like, I felt like I just conquered the world here. <laughs> he goes, oh, dude, this is just a warm-up compared to a Spartan race. And as he's talking, I'm pulling my phone out, and I'm, like, Googling what Spartan race is. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? I Googled it, and... Checked it out and actually uh, signed up for a race the next day, <laughs> oh, cool. which was uh, Palmerton, 2015. Oh, that was a great one to sign up for to be your first one. <laughs> oh, my God. You talk about getting kicked in the face. Um, I went and did Palmerton. Did it as a family. We, we took the family. Now, they weren't running yet. They were just watching. And I remember Palmerton. That was back when they just had the sprint. Right. And, oh, my God, it was hot. 
it was probably 95 degrees mm. and i remember being being up on top of the mountain and i was shivering i'm like oh shit there's something wrong you should not be <laughs> shivering in 95 degree weather and uh i remember getting down to the bucket that was back when they had the bucket carry sort of at the same spot that they had it uh, the last two years right down on that bottom part but they yeah. actually did a loop you start at the bottom and you filled your bucket and you did like a loop up around the top and straight back down right and i remember doing that bucket carry and I, that was the only thing in my life that ever almost made me quit something wow um that was so hard um being a little guy in that weight and not used to carrying that type of weight that way right in front of you and mm-hmm. um i remember crossing the finish line walked straight over to my wife that was right along the side and i looked at her and said this isn't for me and we just left what i was like yeah i was <laughs> totally disgusted i'm like i cannot believe i signed up for this it totally destroyed me <laughs> um i mean mentally it almost made me quit and i'm it's one thing mentally i'm a very stubborn person <laughs> and for something to make me get to that point i was just i was pissed i'm like there's, this is just stupid, and we just left. Well, how many obstacles and, did you fail? Because I know you failed the spear. You had to. Actually, the spear, uh, I actually nailed it, but I nailed what? the spearman in the neck. <laughs> it stuck in the wood, and I looked back at the guy, and he looked at me and said no. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I had to go do burpees. That was the only thing that I failed in my very first race. Hey, that's pretty good, though. <clears throat> Which, technically, it wasn't a fail because, I mean, I, I jabbed him right in the neck. Yeah, and I that mean, counts he, nowadays, so. Yeah, and he was dead then, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, crazy thing is, uh, two days later, I signed up for two more races. Wow. So, so what changed your what, mind between then? The, the, the suffering and the feeling you got when you crossed the finish line, did that just come back into play, and you were like, well, you know, that wasn't really all that bad? You know, we actually, we turned that into like a family trip. So the next day we went to Hershey Park. So I'm at the happiest place in the world, and I just got my butt kicked the day before. And the whole time I'm sitting there riding these rides and stuff, I can't quit thinking about that entire race. And it just kept eating at me. <clears throat> and I seen the standings came out the next day, and I finished. I ran in the open heat, and I finished like 92nd. And the longer the day went, and I'm waddling around because I'm so sore. Like, <laughs> that's 92nd, that's not too bad after out of those couple thousand people. I'm like, eh. And it just, I don't know, it just kept eating at me and i thought i could do better so so then i signed up for wintergreen (laughs) (laughs) another great one (laughs) oh my goodness yeah my my first year spartan was definitely first two races were trial by fire oh for sure but uh yeah did wintergreen and then uh ohio so ohio beast was um that was at the wilds that year was that 2015 or 2014 2015. 2015? Oh, I was at that beast yep. that year. So, how many races have you run since then? Oh, man. Uh, goodness. On the books, probably not counting fun laps and a bunch of races with my kids and my family. Uh, probably like 70-some. Wow. That's awesome, man. So, <clears throat> what got... Like, I mean, how did you get, like, your son into this? Because, you know, I, I saw that, you know, you and your son both made an age group podium in what the Pittsburgh race was this past weekend, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, we both took uh, first place in our age groups. So, and your son's 14. 14, yep. 
So that had to have been pretty epic for both of y'all to get on the podium in the same race. Uh, it was awesome. I was waiting this year. I was so hoping and he had a good, uh, good first two races in Ohio. He ran really well, placed second, uh, both races in the beast and the, uh, sprint. And then he had a stretch of tough races. He did Palmerton, um, this year with the 110 pound sandbag carry. Yeah. Uh, Double. Kid only weighs 115. <laughs> <laughs> so, that one roughed him up pretty good. And then uh, West Virginia was the other two races. He did the uh, Beast and the Super there. Yep. So Pittsburgh was his final races for the season. And I was really hoping. And boy, he, he went out and just gave it everything he had. Yeah. Yeah, I met him in West Virginia. <laughs> I didn't know it. <laughs> yes, you did. did. <laughs> that was so awesome, man. He, awesome. I remember he finished that race and he was telling me about it. He goes, yeah, these guys are back in the bucket carry. You, I mean, this dude was tearing him apart. He was <laughs> telling me all this stuff. And then I'm going through the pictures the next day and I'm like, oh my God, that's Scott. <laughs> oh, and then it all clicked. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, so when we got to the bucket carry, I was already done with my race. And so I always go back and, and film my buddy Michael. And mm-hmm. when, when we was at the bucket carry, I, I filmed him during the whole bucket carry, and I was just busting his balls the whole way. And I said, if you do anything today, do not set this bucket down. And he got to the halfway point, and he sets the bucket down. And I'm, you know, and, and your son comes and kneels, like, right behind him, and I'm videoing him. And your son gets up and starts walking before Michael does. And I was like, Michael, you're letting this 15-year-old just you know you know whoop your ass and he turns around and says i'm 14 and i swear i <laughs> laughed so loud it was so funny that was oh, epic that was, that was so great <laughs> and plus the best thing was that's the first time that colby used the kneel with a bucket on the knee uh i just taught him that yeah mid-season this year and it was the first race that he got to try because letting it down on the ground and picking it the whole way back up was killing him yeah, I told him I said just kneel and set it on on your knee. Yeah, never take, <laughs> so never put thing. that thing back on the ground once you get it up. You can set it on no. your quad, never put it back on the ground. It's just more work, man. Yeah, oh, it's so much, and you don't even feel it when you're setting it on your knee. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, the, the weight's not even there, and you don't have to pick it up off the ground. So, but uh, yeah, oh my god, when I saw that video, I laughed. Oh my goodness, I laughed. <laughs> it was so funny. I, I would have posted on Facebook, but I was kind of busting his balls really hard, so I didn't. And it was like six <laughs> minutes worth. <laughs> but but yeah, and again, like you said, like that that trick works really great, especially on like a steep incline. You don't even yeah. have to take a knee on the ground. You just get back into a, a lunge and just let the bucket sit there and just take a few breaths and just grab it again and just keep walking with it. Yep. I see I see so many people set their buckets down and then they'll sit on the bucket and I'm just thinking, man, that's just going to make you, you know, dread picking it back up. If you never set it down, you know. Yep, <clears throat> especially for a little fella. Oh, uh, yeah. Like Colby or... or or me, it's hard to get that bucket up from the ground, up that two feet. I mean, every time you do that, that's so much energy that's wasted that you can use somewhere else in the race. Yeah. And it's small things like that that really help out. And yeah, so, like on a double sandbag carry, if one of those uh, sandbags gets on the ground, it's just, it, it's rough to get it back, both of them back up, get them settled, and get it rolling again. <clears throat> And that, that double sandbag is just a soul crusher the way it is. Oh, yeah. But, man, when, when you're tugging, just like me, uh, <clears throat> and even Colby at 
115 pounds. I mean, he's pretty much dragging a dead body with him. Yeah. At his size. Uh, and for me, I mean, race season, I bounce between 135 and 140. Jeez. And, I mean, that's just a ton of weight, and it just zaps so much energy stores just trying to get that that weight carried through. So. Man, I eat too much cake to get down in your weight class. <laughs> I'm eating too much candy corn at this time. Oh, my God. I love candy Uh, corn at Halloween, man. It is like crack, and it's so hard to pass it up, dude. I'm telling you, I hated this stuff my whole life. And in the last two years, Halloween comes around. My wife buys candy corn, and you're right. It's like crack. I can't. I'm actually five days sober off of candy corn. (laughs) Today's day five. It's that bad that I have to count the days. Man, so, so we went and run Savage at Dallas, man, and we like took this, okay, we ran Savage, and we went and just had this big cheat meal in Atlanta, you know, we went to the Vortex, and I got this big, you know, you know, the burger's called the Coronary Bypass Burger, I got that, <laughs> and when we left there, I was like, man, I want something sweet, and we walked next door to a CVS, and I got a bag of that Harvest Mix, oh my god, oh, I just about ate the whole bag, dude. After eating That's the burger, bitches. man, it's it, it, you can't just eat one piece of candy corn, dude. No, it's handfuls at a time. Man, I like the pumpkins too. The pumpkins are good. I don't really care for the chocolate ones, but you know the candy corn and the pumpkins, man, that's that's just good sugar. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so, dude, what was probably like? When you started this year, you know, I've noticed that you've run, you've run some elite classes and you've run some age group classes. So explain, mm-hmm. you know, explain what, what, you're, what you're doing here. Are you just, you know, trying on the days you think, are you doing this by strategy thinking that, okay, this is a good day that I might do good on elite <laughs> wave or? No, I'm not that smart. <laughs> uh, no, I'm unfortunately, <clears throat> I have such bad luck. I was so looking forward to turning 40 and being a master when the Masters oh, um, uh, a lot of people were still around. Oh, yeah. would have been so great. And then when they pulled that last year, it was like, oh, what do you do? Because I'm, I'm like that stepchild that's stuck between houses. I don't know <laughs> which parent to go to. Because um, on the elite side, even on my best day, <coughs> the, the big guys like Woodsy and uh Atkins and those guys, I mean, they are just on another level. Oh, exactly. I mean Without they're a doubt. so and then when the age groups came around, the forty year olds with um Kevin making a move over and committing to it stuff, they really wanted to make it a legitimate um age group competition. So pretty much my entire season is first day I run age group and then second day I run the um elites uh, just because it's quicker to get home uh, right. so you don't have to wait around for the award and stuff uh, if that you do sense. podium because man when i get down to like charlotte or uh, spartansburg i have an eight nine hour drive home wow. and if you wait for awards you're out of there at noon one o'clock yeah for age group awards for sure yeah so that's why i always run the, the elite second day but i really run much better in the elites second day so i've had a pretty good season on both ends so yeah i remember you hitting the podium both days in charlotte didn't you 
Yeah, actually, I took uh, age group podium uh, first place on Saturday and then came back and got my very first elite podium ever on Sunday. Oh, man, um, I bet that was epic. That race was so cold Sunday. I uh, talk about that all the time. Yeah, that race was – that was bananas. I mean, muddy. it was oh, muddy, cold. You couldn't feel anything. And Mm-mm. every obstacle was just four times harder because you can't feel your hands, you can't feel your nose. Yeah, I mean it was, it was a tough race. And that water yeah, under was, the barbed wire on it had ice uh, in it. It was awful. Yeah, and then that uh, that that creek run right in the middle, that one where you had to jump down in yeah. first. After the first day, the open heat just trenched it out, and oh my god, when I jumped in, I was like neck deep in water. Yep, it was oh miserable yeah that was a cold race yeah yep so, and then, uh, i think the uh, barbed wire there too on, on the second day was just solid mud yes and that was like right within the first mile or so and your hands just got soaked in that mud and freezing cold it was so yep. cold people yep. were failing obstacles they normally don't because it was so cold oh it was crazy because that, that day actually i failed the hercoist because that hercoist was like probably the second third of the race um and it was just coming in it was her twister decent run through the gook and then it was the final gauntlet rope climb and that and i remember failing the her because i just i could not budget it was too heavy man so many people were failing the her but so Uh, on saturday i run four laps on saturday (laughs) and when Every time I come to the Hercoise, I was trying different ones. And on that far end, there was two pulleys that were shot. I knew exactly <laughs> which one to go to, exactly which one was easy. And, yeah. man, there when I got there, I bet there was 10 people doing burpees probably when I yeah. got there. And I knew I went exactly to the one I used yesterday. And it was harder, but I was still able to get it up. Oh, the ropes were just mud and ice. You know, oh, I, I know. I it. just couldn't hang on to them. It was rough. It was rough. Yeah, because I, I remember failing that, burping out, and I thought, shoot, that, that's the race. And I start running. I get the twister, and I see yeah. everybody burping out. I'm like, holy shnikes, I'm, I might have a chance. And I got through that and found out coming into the next thing that we were doing the uh, creek, creek run. And uh, Tyler um, came up on my back, and he said, dude, we're fighting for third. I'm like, what? <laughs> so... Yeah, then it was just a mad dash to the finish. So Yeah, I think I remember Tyler saying he failed the rig, and that was something. Yeah. He, I mean, he's great at the rig. I was shocked yeah. to me when he told me that. I've never seen anybody go across that rig faster than what Tyler can. I know I mean, it. I remember uh, when he posted that video last year when we was in Spartanburg, man. It was so just, I mean, it, it you would think he designed the sideways technique. It was so just yeah. robotic the way he did it. It was really yeah, impressive. Yeah, he just flies through it. Because I know uh, coming into that, we were neck and neck at the Atlas carry. And I got him just a little bit going into the rope climb. And I got out a little bit faster. And then, um, yeah, he failed right behind me on the rig. Because I, I didn't look back. I just tried to finish that rig and run as hard as I could. Right. And, uh, yeah, he ended up failing there, uh, which was crazy because, yeah, that's one thing he's just – he doesn't fail. Yeah, he's great at it. I remember those Atlas balls were just spinning in that <sighs> mud hole they were in, too. They were so muddy. I know. Oh. That, was, that, that was one of the toughest races so far. I mean, besides Chicago this year, the National Series. Right. Um, I didn't do Charlotte that one. was just oh, 
Chicago was that was the only Spartan race out of all these races I've ever done that I did not enjoy one minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that mud, it just sucked the soul out of me. Uh, yeah, it man. just, oh, such a tough race. Yeah, I mean, you could even see on the live feed the people just, I mean, they were just running all over the place. It, You could see their knees just coming up and down from, you know, trudging through the mud. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't it was the funnest running. race to watch because they didn't have the best single signal there, but I mean, it was still yeah. one to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, some people thrived. I mean, some people really ran well during that race. It's just for me, just sludging in that mud, it just took so much extra energy to just pick your feet up. It totally just killed me. Right. So did you run a elite or age group at that race? Uh, I ran age group on Saturday and then elite on Sunday. So, how many podiums have you got this year? I know you got quite a few. Uh, age group? Yeah. Uh, oh boy, I'm thinking I'm at like seven, seven firsts, I think, seven or eight firsts. Wow. And a third. Um, yeah. Them and I got two elite podiums. That's awesome. Where'd you, where'd you get your other elite podium at? Uh, Michigan. Oh. Yeah, I got it on the sprint on Sunday. Is that the one where they had the race at the track? Yeah, yeah. How was that, that race? Was, that was actually a really cool race. It was uh, <clears throat> it was definitely a mix between a stadium race and a regular Spartan race. You didn't have the rough terrain like we usually have, the real hard rocks and, and all that. It was more easier running, but right. it was so fast. Um, it is so flat there, <laughs> and it was just super fast so it was actually a really cool race to run so they actually run you out of the actual track and you actually go into the woods a little bit right and come back in right yeah i remember when i first seen the map uh you see the oval of the track and then you see the uh super course which was pretty much it was really close to what the track was i'm looking at thinking how are they getting eight (laughs) and a half miles out of this i mean my goodness and then when you get there and see the track <clears throat> the track's actually like two miles long. It is enormous. Um, so yeah, they took you in and out of the track, and then you were right around the the uh, grounds and stuff. Uh, there wasn't. There was only I think one or two areas that you ran through the woods. There was a small creek run, but the rest was out in fields or uh, actual trails. So, did you actually run on the actual track? <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Um, you started out, you ran uh, first turn on the track, popped out and went out, and then you came back in, did spear throw, rope climb, went back out, uh, did the most of the race, came back in, ran the stadium bleachers. Uh, they have, I guess they call them grandstands for NASCAR. Right. Super tall up on the one end, ran up to the top, across that, and then you actually did the uh, bucket carry on the bleachers. Oh, and wow. then you go under the track, popped back out, did the Herc hoist, and then they had the quarter-mile challenge, which they put it right at the end. You run a quarter-mile on the track, and I guess apparently Spartan times it, and then the fastest quarter-mile time actually wins a free race. Oh, wow. So but <clears throat> so did you get so a free race? <laughs> no, I didn't get a free race. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to make it to the finish line. I mean, it was – it took so much running. Right. That track was so fast, and I just I didn't have the gas to really let loose. So even if I did, I mean, 
there's no way. I mean, those those guys are so fast. Oh yeah, there's some really fast people in the sport. Yeah. So did your son run that race with you too? No, no, actually, uh, that was just me. Uh, how, how did you? I mean. Did did your son just see what you were doing, and he just said, "Hey, Dad, I want to try this too"? Or how did that yeah, work? Actually, it was the it's the best thing in the world. Um, I started this race, and it was just me. And like I said, we did those first three races that first year, and every race we turned it into a family trip. So my wife and my kids came with, and they got to watch as I raced. And it went. I think we did. Uh, first race was just me and then the kids because my son was only 12 or actually no he was 11 that first year and my daughter was uh, 8 somewhere around in there so in Wintergreen they did the kids race that was their first first race Right. and they loved it I mean they loved doing the kids race they were pretty small yet uh, so then in Ohio that fall my wife actually trained and she ran the higher race in the open class, and my kids ran the uh, kids race. So it was one of those things that I started racing, just worried about me racing, and it actually infected my entire family. That's cool. They were watching it, and they thought, wow, that actually looks kind of fun. And the kids like doing the kids race, but my wife was the one that really surprised me because she never did a sport in her life. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, she was. She never ran. I think the closest thing to an athlete was cheerleading. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, she never played soccer, nothing. And she started training after Wintergreen, and she ran the Ohio Beast. Oh wow! So um, the Beast was her first race. Yeah, that was a pretty. Yeah. That was a, a long Beast that year too. Yeah. Oh, and do you remember that uh, the triple log thing at, at at the end? Yes. They had the uh, the three layer logs. Yes. <laughs> A dude broke it, or I think it was a lady, broke her leg right in front of my wife. Oh, jumped man. into the second log, smacked her leg against it, and snapped it. She Ooh. just jumped off of it and went and burp, burpied out because <laughs> it scared her. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, yeah, she did that. That was her first race. And, wow. Uh, and then from there, the the kids and, and my wife, we try to plan at least three to four family races every year that they come with me and, and, and they run. But, uh my son actually the kids races weren't challenging enough for him they were only half mile or mile right and i remember we did tuxedo back in i think it was 2016 and it was father's day weekend and he ran now don't tell spartan but huh. he was the kid's been 14 for the past three years so <laughs> he uh but a responsible parent, I ran with him every race. I mean, I shadowed him, was with him the entire time. But he ran his first race with me in the open heat in um, 16 in uh, Tux. And uh, best day ever. Um, That's awesome. As a 12-year-old, he just he crushed that race. Now, the heavy carries killed him. But right. other than that, I mean, he just he did amazing. And the great thing is, is being a kid – these kids need to be challenged. Um, oh, yeah. even at, even at 12 years old, I mean, he was able to really thrive on that course as a 12 year old, as long as I'm not saying every parent should throw their kids out there and do it. But as a responsible parent, go with them, make sure they're safe and they don't kill themselves. I mean, these kids, it's amazing what they can battle through. Um, 
and such a great thing for young people, especially younger people, to do these races. Um, because it, as a 12-year-old, he went back to school the next week, and his frame of reference to what hard is is it's completely different. different than any kid yeah. in this town. I mean, his hard is the bucket carry. Um, and his second race, actually, he did Palmerton Sprint in 15. And uh, that, that bucket carry, uh, that was the one when it was up on top of the mountain. Right. Uh, I think it was in 16. Uh, that, that bucket carry, it took it took us almost 50 minutes to do that. And because he filled his bucket up almost completely to the men's holes. <clears throat> and uh, I wouldn't take any shell from him. We just took our time and we, we did it. But uh, that, that bucket almost crushed him uh, mentally and physically. But when he finished that race, I mean, he was a completely different kid. And see, that's awesome because think of all the like life choices and struggles that are going to come to him. And he's already going to be at a point to where I've done this. <clears throat> this was hard. I can get yep. through this. So I know that whatever this is, I can handle it too. Exactly. I mean, <clears throat> when you think about it today, you see, this was unheard of when I was a kid. Kids committing suicide. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> what kind of dark place do you have to go to as a as as a kid to get to that point? Yep. Um, <clears throat> and so hopefully my son and my daughter that won't have to worry about it as much because normal things that they think that normal kids think are life shattering when your girlfriend breaks up with you or your best friend steals your girl or something stupid it doesn't shake them as much as normal because that's not their frame of reference to what hard is hard is that bucket carry on the side of palmerton in 90 degree heat yeah i mean that's his reference to hard the rest of the stuff he knows that he can push through so i mean because when i was his age the idea of going eight miles that was insane you know that was insane to me as being a kid that age you know i was like i mean and like kids these days you know you say you say something to them about walk a quarter mile up the street they're like what no i'll wait and get a ride you know and i'm thinking it's a quarter mile you know but, yeah, I mean, we push, were the same way when we were that kid, you know? Yep. And the other thing that me and my wife have said, too, is could you imagine <clears> – <throat> I know the area that I live in, the dads back when I was younger were not athletic. They they were normal dads. They had a purpose. They'd go to work, earn money for the family, come home, watch TV, and go to sleep. Yep. That was their, their day. Could you imagine traveling – up and down the East Coast with your mom and dad running races. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's your childhood growing up and the memories that you have doing that. That's How awesome. awesome. I mean, it's such a different way to bring up a kid. And that's what's great, too, is like my kids and stuff are going to be like the first ones to actually experience this to kind of see how it all pans out, um, to see what kind of grown ups this is going to mold. So. Hopefully this is a good way to start taking things in a different direction for the future for a lot of young people. That's awesome, man. And it sounds like, you know, that Christmas Day, man, that it was a turnaround for the better, you know. And now that you have, I mean, you you, you are ultimately blessed because you have a family that enjoys to do the things that you like to do. I know a lot of people that, you know, their wives – 
you know, they don't want them to go to the races, you know, or they think it takes up time. They don't care nothing about it. So, I mean, I mean, you're really blessed, dude. That's really awesome, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's, I'm so fortunate that I realized before it was too late, before I lost my wife or I lost my kids. Yeah, man. Um, it's a great thing that I was able to figure that out. But at the same time, it's one of those things that when I look back at it, I kind of felt selfish. Because when I turned 30, it was a vanity type thing. It was like, you know, I'm more, I, I don't like being fat. Right. And that's for people a scary word. But I mean, I was fat, 192 pounds. I was huge. I was there too. And one day. I didn't want to look like this. this. I didn't feel good. So I wanted to work out, lose weight to look better. The further it went on, in the matter of getting into Spartan and stuff, and things changed, I actually looked back and realized that, you know, how can you love your family if you can't stand yourself? And it's not selfish. Get yourself straight first, and everything else falls into place. I mean, you can be such a better husband, such a better father, such a better boss if you don't hate yourself because then you don't take it out on everything else around you so that's kind of a big thing for a lot of people is uh, especially why this stuff they say oh you're being so because you're trying to look better and it's not for me and, and it really it's not it's not a selfish thing at all it's something that once you get your self square it's amazing how things just kind of fall into place so Dang, Dustin, man, that's pretty good words to live by, man. That's pretty motivational there, man. Well, hopefully. It's just one of those things that it, that third, that Christmas day was such a tipping point. I mean, my life could have completely changed either way. And, I mean, if I decided to stay the course of what I was, there's a good chance I probably wouldn't have a wife and a family today. Uh, I was a miserable person, and I wasn't fit to be a husband and a father. So between that and then the chance meeting with my buddy's dad and with Spartan getting into racing, um, it's amazing how two little choices out of somebody's life can completely change the completely entire change direction. Yeah, That's right. So you know, let's back up. So tell me, because I know a lot of people, you know, are working full time. They got family. They got kids. How were you able to, you know, running your own business and your own paint store, how were you able to find the time to, you know, to work out and, you know, to get, you know, get it done? Priorities, man. That's one thing that everybody in this world has is 24 hours a day. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from or whatever. We all have 24 hours. You just got to figure out what's more important to shove into that 24 hours. So, I mean, I used to golf. I used to play video games. Oh, my goodness. I gamed like crazy. Me too. Uh, used to watch a lot of TV. Uh, used to do a lot of things. And my priorities today are working out, my work, and my family. Once those three things are done for that day, then whatever time extra is what I use for if I want a game or something. Had to give up golf. Um, had to give up a lot of things throughout the years. Uh, I used to be a smoker. Um, had to give that up. Good for you. Um, hope my kids don't hear this. They don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was a, actually a two pack a day smoker. Whoa. Um, yeah. And had to quit that. Uh, had to give a lot of things up throughout the years to 
get what you want. But that's the thing is I'm the everyday person. I, I didn't come from a cross country background or a uh, collegiate running background and all this stuff. I mean, I'm just the average guy, just like most people listening to this show. I mean, it's, and just decided that, you know, what do you want? Yeah. There's nothing that you can't do if you want it bad enough. And that's pretty much what it was. And so every lunch break that I have during the day is usually my my time. Um, if you listen to Joe Decina, his stuff, some sometimes he says about uh, every person has to have a non-negotiable time for yourself. So for me, it's my lunchtime. My lunchtime is whenever I leave work and I work out for an hour and then I go back to work. So that's my time because I hated doing it after work because then I was taking too much time from the family because they'd have to wait for me to eat and all this stuff. So I figured out that I'll do it at lunch, work a little bit later than what I normally do, and then it's out of the way and that's how you make the time. And then you smash it on Saturday, (laughs) get a big workout in then and just keep moving forward. So. That's cool, man. So you were also on the uh, on the NBC uh, Spartan TV show too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that was. How did you get? How did you get signed up to do that? I mean, was it your idea or? <laughs> no, because you were on uh, Kevin Donahue's team, right? Yeah. The little yeah, giants. If, if if you could actually put something in motion and make every piece fall in perfectly on the way. It was that whole journey, (laughs) um, was, I was just fortunate enough to be small (laughs) and (laughs) race against Kevin and Corey. Cause actually, uh, Liz Schlegel, which is, uh, Kevin's Girlfriend. girlfriend. She's the one that came up with this. Like, you know, we need to put together a team of small people, smaller Spartan racers for the show. And between like Jody Fleming uh, and Corey Ramo, they already linked up. And then somebody threw my name in the mix and they gave me a call. And I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> I mean, I barely made it height wise because uh, I was the <laughs> tallest one on, on the team, but they were able to squeeze me in. So, and then because uh, they only pick the the teams it was just four of us and you have to apply as a team and then they assign a captain to you so kevin was like a no-brainer uh for his size to be the uh, captain of the team i mean everything just really worked out perfect fell right into place so did y'all do it both seasons i know you're on the second season no just season two just season two yeah so I know y'all shot most of that like at night and everything. So, and it was like yep. really late at night too, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, we shot down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, if anybody's a Walking Dead fan, yeah, it was uh, on the set. Season, yep, season two or three, uh, Terminus mm-hmm. is actually where where we filmed that. And our first race was at ten o'clock at night, <clears throat> and ran that race, finished it. We won the first race. Um, they pulled me, Kevin and Liz to do interviews and the rest of the team went, went back to get warmed up and eat. So we did that, went back, had to strip our clothes off. They washed them, <laughs> put them back on. And then we headed straight back over to the set. And our second race was, I think at like three or four in the morning. Oh, wow. So they just shot so, it all in one week, huh? <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Actually, I think they shot the entire show. I think it was in like three nights. Oh, wow. 
That's crazy. Yeah, because the first half of the bracket went the first night, and that was us. Second half of the bracket went the second night, and then all the finals were shot the third night. Hmm. What was probably the coolest thing out of that whole experience? Uh, just meeting all the different people. Um, we met some amazing athletes and people throughout that show. Um, and just to see how the show works and you go to stand that start line, you're standing there forever and they make you do false starts for the, for the show to make it look like you're taking off like lightning and stuff. And then you got to go back and we did all this stuff. And then they say, all right, we're ready to start. And they counted down from five and that was it. We had to go. I mean, no warning, nothing. Uh, so yeah, just the total, uh, experience of how it was done and just meeting a lot of really cool people. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. So, all right, man, I got a bunch of questions I usually always ask everybody. So, um, so to this point, to this day, what has been like your best race or your most fun race and and why, why is it, why is that? Uh, most memorable or best performance? Okay. Most memorable would probably be my tuxedo in 2016 that first race with my son right that was uh father's day weekend and i mean you couldn't ask for a better gift so that's awesome man yeah so what would be your worst race and why oh worst race man i had a lot of them (laughs) (laughs) uh what race, like, you know, crushed you the most, you hated the most, you know? Well, Chicago this year was pretty bad. <clears throat> that was one that just was a battle from start to finish. I would say other than that, probably uh, South Carolina in 16, back when they had it at the uh, off-road park. Right, last year. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it. Uh, I rolled my ankle up mile seven Ooh. i rolled it really bad and i was holding uh, i was running elites in. i think i was holding like six seventh place and ended up limping the rest of the way and i finished like 25th but man it was a long seven miles after that i think you still so. beat me i run elite that race was that on second oh, yeah. day or the first day that was first day yeah that was the beast yeah you first still day. beat me <laughs> so it was a that was one that I mean I was pushing hard after that just trying to do damage control but I got lost on that race I remember that race I got lost on that race we there was some broke band somewhere and the second day they fixed it but me and like four other guys had got lost and I remember two of us went one way and two of us went another <laughs> way man it was it was pretty bad it was a bad uh miscalculation yeah i think there was a spot by some pines that the marking was really bad they yeah. crossed a road and there were some pines there that we almost went off course too yeah yeah that sucked yeah yeah and it, it was cold too that was uh or no that was the first year that it was freezing wasn't it yes i think in 2015 it was really cold there yeah because they run you in that water, in that little horseshoe oh. lake right at the beginning. Yep, yep. And then you had another 13 miles to run, oh, yeah. soaking wet. Yeah, that was... At that 30, was, 33 degrees. That was a cold race. I like that venue, though. That was a cool venue. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, the terrain just 
changed so much from rolling mud hills to swamp running in the pines and yeah. just yeah, that was a cool race. I don't know. I wonder why they uh, decided to go to Spartanburg last year with that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, new venue is kind of neat, though. I mean, that was uh, yeah. Was, I've never ran in the middle of a town before. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and and what was cool about that venue is like one second you'd kind of be in the woods, and then the next yep. second you'd kind of be like in some farmland, and then you'd be in a swamp. I mean, it was. It, it had a different looking terrain at different points of the race, and it, it kept it interesting yeah. to me. And then you'd be at Did one you, part where it looked like they just cut timber. <laughs> yeah, and it looked like uh, yeah, it looked like everything was just falling down. And you're trying to run through all the brush. Yes, that was pretty rough. Now, did you run elite in that race? Yes. I think I, I think you, you actually passed me, and I never saw you again at one point. And I want to say it was... <laughs> Right after the eight foot wall, when we went over all that brush, you come around me and I never saw you again. Finishing that race, the Jaggers. I mean, I remember finishing that race. I was ripped up. Oh yeah. I mean, I had I had scratches across my eyelids, across my neck. My legs were just shredded. That was yeah. Crazy. Those, those green thorns were everywhere, and I I was wearing pants so. I was I was protected pretty good just wearing compression pants, but my buddy my buddy Joseph Calder he was right in front of me when we were at the sandbag and he was carrying that sandbag and he just got in a big thing just full of briars and I was like, <laughs> and I was just laughing at him and I was like go man go, <laughs> but it hurts. and he was just getting tore up. <laughs> oh yeah, it was oh, that first day and then. That, that whole two two day race was awesome because the first day was just nothing but getting torn to pieces by the uh, jaggers. Yeah, and then the second day was nothing but red mud. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean start to finish. You probably run, you run the sprint the second day though, didn't you? Yeah, actually, I ran the sprint and had a really good finish. I think I finished fourth or fifth. Oh wow, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, it was a really good race. Uh, but yeah, we all finished and we looked like oopaloopas. Yeah, I mean, we were just red. We were chasing trifectas that year, so me and my buddy, we just had a fun lap and did the beast again. Yeah, uh, it's hard to have a fun lap at the beast after you've already ran a <laughs> <on> beast. <laughs> it's just. Long. Well, it was a fun lap for me, but I was like kind of pushing my buddy Michael, and he actually finished it faster than the first day. And I was like, "Man, you were sandbagging the first day. That's all there was to it." <laughs> <laughs> so, so all right, man. So, what is like your ritual that you go through? Like when a race weekend's coming up, what are you doing? Like on Friday, Friday night, Saturday morning before the race? What are you doing after the race to get ready for the race the next day? Go us through like your race weekend ritual. Oh man, uh, usually traveling, so you're a lot of driving ahead of me. Um, usually, as soon as I get somewhere, I try to find a treadmill or exercise bike or something just to run just 30 minutes or so right pushed out of your legs uh and pretty much change anything uh keep my eating habits the same um i'm one of those people that i eat a very strict diet uh i have allergies and asthma and all this other crap so if i eat something out of my norm it just totally trips my system so 
I just try to stick to a normal diet, some chicken, some rice, some potatoes, something in that area, and then uh, just try to get as much sleep as I can. It's tough. It's hard sleeping. Yeah, but, it is. Night before a race is hard. Oh, so hard. Hmm. So, um, so like, what do you what do you usually eat for breakfast the morning before a race? Uh, I try to eat as much as I can. It's just I'm still one of those guys. Even after this many races, I have race nerves so bad. Yeah. Um, me too. I'll get up and I usually try to just pack a bagel down. That's about as much as I can get in me. Yeah. Sometimes a half a bagel. I try to get a full one, but a bagel and some coffee, and that's really about it. Yeah, gotta um, have the coffee. Yeah, need just a little bit of something. So, what do you do? Like, if you ran a beast on Saturday, is there anything you do to like recover before you run on Sunday? Eat and drink as much as possible. Right. The entire day, I try to keep it clean, but I try to get as much fuel back in my body. Uh, it seems like for me, my second day I race so much better, and I think it's because it's pure, clean fuel. Right. Um, <clears throat> first day, you deplete so much and the effort um and when i get that clean fuel and a lot of uh well fit aid <laughs> i try to it's like um protein get out of the venue um and just start snacking yeah i'm a big grazer almonds and uh, peanuts a little bit of candy corn here and there uh, <laughs> a little bit of candy corn that's is that clean organic candy corn you're eating there <laughs> yeah it's not as clean as i guess candy corn can be <laughs> uh, yeah just try to squeeze some stuff in actually believe it or not i try to have a burger um that night uh before the second day i'll go get a burger nothing mcdonald's or anything just a nice as clean as of a burger as you can get just mm. no cheese some lettuce, some tomato, no sauces or anything. Um, seems to be a nice mix of protein, carbs. Uh, I mean, I remember uh, in Charlotte, I went to Olive Garden and got a tour of Italy and ate a whole uh, shitload of breadsticks, uh, too. <laughs> uh, you will find out the order you get, you will taste that for four days <laughs> afterwards. Man, I'm a, year old, I'm a year younger than you. I don't want to hear it. Are you? Yeah, I'm 39. I'll be you, I'll be 40 next year. Yeah. Well, damn, dude, you're in great shape for 39. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, man, keep it up. Shoot, man, my joints are killing me, dude. Yeah, it's it doesn't get any better. I'll yeah. tell you that. Man, my knees, uh, dude. I just about can't do like any workouts that involve a lot of squatting or anything like that. My knees just hate it. They hate it. Especially, you know, when, when you work in maintenance, you know, if you have to squat and just work on something for a little while, when you go to stand back up after you've been squatting for a long time, oh, my God, it's the worst. Yeah. It, it feels like it's just bone on bone coming back up. Like no, stiffen up. So I'm glad you're – I mean, I'm glad that I'm not the only one out there that feels that kind of pain when I stand oh. up from a kneel. And I see all these guys on Instagram – they're like power lifting all this weight, and I'm like, man, y'all can have it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. They quit lifting two years ago. I do not lift anymore. I might do some pull-ups and stuff here and there, but it's just it's too hard on my joints and my body. Yeah. I get too sore. It takes too long to get back from it. Stick to running. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. My leg workouts is running and being on my feet all day at work. Yeah, yep, and I'm finding that stationary bike is my new friend 
you know, what I'm getting here. Cause I can't pound myself five, six days a week. Just right. putting the miles in, it just gets too much. So you try to get probably three quality workouts, hard workouts each week, and then split it with uh, stationary bike time just to kind of get the heart rate up, get some sweat going. Right. Save your joints a little bit. I know. I need to. I need to get a bike or a stationary bike just to keep some off my joints. Man, it's like man, I can go and run on the trail probably twice the distance I can run on the pavement. And without the you know same amount of pain, it's 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 crazy. That's why I'm I'm fortunate where I live. I'm live in a very rural area, so I have nothing but cornfields and woods all that's the way awesome. around me. So that's all on my training ground is well until I get some kind of weird funk on my feet from running through the cow poo all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I'm worried about. But that uh, it's so much easier to run on trail than it is the road. The road just beats your legs up so bad. Right. So, so Dustin, I asked Kevin this question, and he pretty much was like, well, I can jump high. But, you know, so you're a shorter guy. What huh? tips or how do you manage to get over, like, the eight-foot walls that are, you know, you know, when you're vertically challenged, like, you know, some of the shorter racers out there, what, is, what, what hints and tips would you give them for, like, the eight-foot wall? Well, I know Kevin's reason is because of those calves. The yeah. calves of his, he can like almost leap over the wall without even touching it. Yeah. But for me, same thing. I just don't think and just go. Um, fortunately, most people out there that are small and athletes, when I go on course, I do not realize I'm as small as what I am. Right. So I attack everything like I'm already 10 foot tall. So um eight foot wall and stuff is just run straight into it just get the fingertips on it get it up and just go there's really no technique no trick just don't think and just do it just do it yep so do you have any other like just tips or like it's something like in your head that's like a signature that like when i come when you come up to an obstacle like, what are you looking at when you judge it? You know, for some of our people out there, they're looking for a quick tip. You know, you got any of those for us? Mostly just you have to be able to think on the fly, especially in our sport. Um, every race is different. Every op- obstacle is different when it's wet, when it's dry, when it's cold. So you have to figure out techniques for everything, for all those different types of weather and and whether it's wet and all that uh, and some things like the olympus that video that i showed you right with, with that a while back i got tired of trying to figure different ways to from each different thing i came up with that final way that you can do that whatever and i can do it as fast as using my feet so and stuff and figure out different ways and so hey dustin you were breaking up a little bit could you tell uh, get back up a little bit like when you were talking about you come up to the olympus yeah uh just a little better am i yeah, good yeah sounds good now okay yeah uh come up to the, the the olympus um just go after it find what works what plays to your strengths so each person knows what they're good at whether they're strong with grip they got strong shoulders strong legs so just figure out what works. Try to get out of what your 
strengths are and work on your strengths more so that you can get it faster. And for me, with the the Olympus, if I don't struggle because of how small I am. Right. I'm a small guy, so I don't have to carry as much weight. My weight is just it's all arms, and I can drag myself straight across it faster than I can trying to use my, my feet and slipping. So um, the biggest tip is just find out what works for you. What's the biggest strength and watch people around you because people try amazing how people do things. They will find every way to do it and right. find every way to hurt themselves in the process. Oh yeah. So you can see which ways that work, which ways don't. And for a lot of us racers, we race enough that we can, practice the stuff as we do that's right it's always a good thing to go to an open house and practice all the different things too you know it's always a good opportunity especially with rings and the rig uh just like tyler going sideways i mean i use that whenever my grips start to weaken because it feels it's easier i can hang on to those rings oh yeah uh well my strength's good and the ring skip a ring each each um it's just I'm not willing to take that risk whenever. Yeah, me neither. It's wet, so you just gotta be able to uh, change on the fly uh, and really think while you're racing. Uh, that's probably the biggest step. Well, cool. Well, shoot, Dustin, man, I'm all out of questions, man. You got anything you want to add? Uh, no. Just keep racing hard. Make sure everybody says hello when we see you. And, uh. Can't wait to see everybody out on the course. Hey, you going to be in Conyers in, uh, next weekend? Uh, I'm going to be in New Jersey. No, I'm Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to be over in Jersey next yeah. weekend. Yeah, oh, I guess that's probably a lot closer, too, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You going to Spartanburg? Yes. Oh, cool, South man. Carolina's definitely on the, on the list. You running the Ultra? No, I am. No, I don't. I don't know how you guys do that. I mean, <laughs> that, uh, oh my goodness, that would lay me up for six weeks. No, man, you could do it. You got to try. You got to try one. That's a good one to try, man. You need to upgrade to it. You could probably <laughs> yeah, take the podium there, dude. End end of the season. That'd be the way to do it. It's just, man, I started on those races and I just go much harder than what. My- God, I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Dustin, man. Well, man, I appreciate you taking time to talk to us, dude. Oh, I thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, bro. Well, take it easy, man, and we'll see you out there. Aroo. Aroo. Hope you enjoyed the interview, guys. I want to thank Dustin again for taking the time to talk to us. Dude was very motivational, and uh, he had a good story to tell. I was, you know... It was a very good good episode to me. Uh, there is some news. Well, I guess it's old news now. You know, Spartans bringing back the Gladiators. And for those of you that don't know what that is, like right before you come to the finish line, there'll be people there with these kind of jousting sticks. Well, I guess it's not a joust stick. It's kind of like a baton that's got like a pad on both ends. Or, and they try to hit you with it as you run by that's what the gladiators are i think they said it's going to be at select venues and some i think they said that 
if you want to go through them, you can, but there'll be a way you can go around them if you don't want to. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they're bringing six new obstacles or in variations on some of the old obstacles next year. That's interesting to see too. A lot of changes next year. Not to mention the age group um, is changing next year. So this year it's been 30 to 39. Well, now it's going to be 30 to 34 is going to be an age group. And then it's going to be 35 to 39. And same thing for 40 to 49. They're splitting it into two groups. So it'll be 40 to 44 and 45 to 49. So that's interesting. I know a lot of people, you know, complained about that because those are pretty much the two biggest groups that run. Um, it's still just 50 plus, And I know a lot of people are kind of bummed about that because, you know, it's, and I can see the difference, you know, a 51 year old, you know, running with somebody that might be 60. That's, that's, that's a big, that's a big difference. So I can understand why people would be upset about that, but you know, maybe that'd be something they might change next year. Um, so what else? I was thinking there was something else. Oh, they're also going to have SGX coaches on the course to where if they see you struggling with an obstacle, they may give you advice and help you, you know, get through the obstacle. Now, I doubt that's going to happen on an elite or an age group wave, but for the people that are running open class or if you're running your second lap, that would be, you know... I'm always looking for advice to maybe go through something faster, you know. I mean, you can always cut a second here or there, you know. So if somebody's willing to give advice, you know, and that's a question that I'm also going to start adding to uh, people I interview. I'm going to interview, I'm going to ask them if, you know, if, if you see when you're coming up to an obstacle, what is like something you think is your signature move or your own tip or trick that helps you get through certain obstacles? I want to learn what other people are doing that they think, you know, may be faster. You know what I mean? So anyway, so I will see everybody at Conyers, not this weekend, next weekend. Looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully, hoping to be at the open house, sprint, and the super. I'll be staying at the hotel across the road. I love Conyers just because... It's an affordable hotel that's right across the road. It always books up fast. So if you if the race is coming up next year, book it fast. Book it quick. Uh, <clears throat> like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram or whatever. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. I'll read it on another podcast. And we'll see you at the next race. Peace. Peace.